This week, we take a special look through the eyes of an evildoer in Brightburn. And along the way, we ask, when do we call Elizabeth Banks plain crazy? When exactly was Brandon's turning point? And could a Martha save humanity? Probably not, but this is Force-Fed Sci-Fi. Hello, everybody, and welcome to a very special bonus review episode of the brand new superhero horror film, Brightburn. I am one of your hosts, Chris Rupp, and I am joined with my other half, the other co-host, Sean Michael Culp. Woohoo! Throwing the middle name in this time. Oh, yeah. At least it's not a self-given nickname. Am I right, folks? No, not not yet. I don't think so. (laughs) So we made the decision to go see Brightburn over the weekend. What do we want to call this? Bite-sized review of the Force-Fed Sci-Fi podcast? Yeah. Special edition. Yeah. Now, if you're unfamiliar with what this movie is about, please keep in mind we are going to discuss the movie in length, so there will be some spoilers in this episode. If you are interested in seeing the movie spoiler-free, maybe this isn't the best episode to start with. But if you don't care, well, say la vie, man. Yeah. Then Kudos list- to you for going against the tide. Then this is for your listening pleasure. Yeah. <laughs> They like hearing your voice, Chris. It's chocolate (laughs) to their airwaves. Oh, boy. (laughs) So, Brightburn, in a twist on the superhero origin story, an alien ship crash lands near Kansas Farm. So, Mm -hmm. does this sound familiar? Oh, man. Superman much? No, I've never heard of this. And instead of doing good with his newfound abilities, this child named uh, Brandon Breyer proceeds to become a terror and murders innocent people with his godlike powers. God and with his uh, Logan BB. Well, I think that was the symbol that was on yeah. the the in the barn on the trap door where his um his pod was being held. So BB, man. So before we get into the meat and potatoes of the movie, let's discuss who made this movie a little bit. So it's uh, James Gunn is one of the producers of the movie. And he is no stranger to horror films because he wrote the Dawn of the Dead remake, which uh, if you haven't seen that, that actually is a really good movie. Mm -hmm. Definitely a solid remake. And he also wrote and directed Slither, which is like an alien horror film. I have not seen that. Yeah, it's um, it's a bit on the weird side. It's got Nathan Fillion in it, and Elizabeth Banks is in it, Michael Rooker is in it too. So a lot of familiars from uh, James Gunn's world. Um, it's directed by David Yurovsky, who hasn't done no. much in the directing uh, world think this prior to his, this movie. Yeah, this is his second go at it. He directed a movie called The Hive, yes, which is another science fiction horror film. So it looks like it's about viruses, and maybe we'll have to add that to our main list. We'll see. And then it's the movie Brightburn is starring Elizabeth Banks, who is an established Hollywood yeah. star. She's done films like um, The 40-Year-Old Virgin. So she, she's kind of done films all over the spectrum, I think. Yeah, she's pretty uh, multifaceted. But I did like her in this movie, too, although she did turn out to be a little crazy pants. In I, yeah, she was great. She embraced the role of like a delusional mom. Yeah. That like just won't admit their child's a serial killer. <laughs> it's like, how much freaking evidence do you need? My baby can do no wrong. Except on film, I guess. And <laughs> when he brutally murders people. And then the character of Brandon Breyer is played by Jackson Dunn. He was in uh, Endgame, right? Yes. Yeah. I, I thought he looked familiar seeing yeah. that. Turns out he was... Um, 12-year-old Scott Lang when they were messing around with time travel. He's mm-hmm. like, I'm not sure what's going on. 
So heading into this movie, I was pretty excited. Yeah, you were yoked about this. I think you told us about the trailer. Yeah, because like, uh, awesome. it looked like an anti-Superman is what it was. Even the typeface for the trailers looked very similar to the typeface that was used in the Man of Steel trailers. Yeah. and Just not as dramatic. No, not as dramatic at all. But I was so excited to see this. It was like, yes, because I like horror films. You do like horror. And I okay. love superhero films. And I thought this is two of some of my favorite things coming together. And I wasn't totally disappointed. Okay. Yeah, you didn't sound disappointed when no, we were talking about there were, it. There were parts that I enjoyed and then parts that were a bit so-so. I do not like horror films <laughs> at all because uh, I don't like to be scared for fun that's kind of i don't know that behavior to me is just like you know why why would you enjoy being scared i think what disappointed me the most was the fact that this movie became more of a trope fest that's literally all this film is they're like let's shoo in as many tropes as we can to maybe like it's a nod maybe he's just giving nods to all like the famous scenes from like other horror films like the director <laughs> He's like, hey, I'm just going to throw in as much horror crap to like show, hey, this is my second film. Ooh. You know, like some directors do that. They do like homages. Yeah. Maybe. But I don't know. There's a way to do it that's not being overdone. Yeah. Like, like what were every some of the tropes? five minutes. What were some of the tropes in this movie that you pointed out? Let's see. Where to begin? We can begin with my favorite when radio silence, you know, when they're, uh, the police are like storming the house and conveniently the phones don't work and the radio doesn't work because of his superpower you know what yeah that really reminded me of the phantom menace when george lucas would write himself into an impossible scenario right and then just write himself out of it by calling it jedi powers <laughs> that just makes me angry as a viewer sean gets angry when he watches films what else uh the jump, jump scares. scares the endless jump scares from the beginning of the film it was a jump scare where he's hiding and they're doing the whistle in yeah. the barn. I'm like, come on, man. Really? This is what the film's going to be? How am I going to be able to focus? Because well, I'm going to be terrified the whole time. I thought what could have been the best jump scare in the movie was when the waitress hit herself in the walk-in. The walk-in. Yeah. Which, um, by the way, walk-ins don't lock from the inside. They you do have to not. be able to get out of those things. Yeah. That's a legal thing. They changed that in restaurants, by the way. So, no. But that scene was spoiled by including it in trailers and yeah. online clips. I didn't even like the CGI used for it because it's like, I don't know. Like, he's just far away and then he just rushes her. And it's like, come on, man. I would have enjoyed something like him biting into her, like her organs. Or If you're going to go all out, man, go all out. Well, and also you, you wrote down to... Demon possession? Yes, demon possession, because they had to throw that in, because when, like, the spaceship's lighting up in the barn and it's all red, then, like, the kid's, like, floating, levitating on his bed, and he's, like, saying, like, a mantra to himself, which ends up being, what, take the world? Yeah. Take the world. So I'm like, oh, they got to throw this crap in. Yeah, I wasn't sure if that was demons or the alien homeworld, like, I used programming as, him. Yeah, I used it as an homage to, like, demon possession. We got to throw that trope in for our horror fans. What else? The gore, I felt, was yeah. maybe a, bit, a tad overdone. Well, because it's a horror film, so they have to have, like, the jaw coming unhinged. Or Me and my cousin, um, our producer, so he's in the nursing world, and then I'm, like, a medic in the military, so the chick, like, a light explodes, and then she has a piece of glass in her eye. And so she immediately tries to pull it out and she does and then blood just starts squirting everywhere. And I laughed because number one, that's not what happens. And number two, folks who are listening, if you have something in your eye, don't pull it out. Yes. Like 
Don't remove it. That's bad. That is a no-go. Put like a cup over your eye. Don't like keep your eyes straight. <laughs> yeah, I thought that that was the most like cringeworthy scene. Oh, yeah. No, don't do it. Ah! And then blood just well, squirts. I, there's this growing trend <laughs> in Hollywood where we now have to see sharp objects go into ah, people's I, eyes. I know. I hate that. Because there is a scene in John Wick 3 where he stabs somebody through the eye oh. and they show it and it's almost like in slow motion and oh, I saw this God. and people in the theater are literally groaning with disgust because you're that. seeing this eight inch long knife going through somebody's eye and into their brain it's gross dude that's one way to like ruin my day actually i was so scarred from uh twister you remember that film yeah like where they're driving in the car and the tornado's next to them and then like that what is that like a barn fence like just comes shooting through the the window and like knocks the guy's head off decapitation oh yeah that's... so to this day i won't drive behind like a truck with like ladders I like get out of the way because so I. So you're just, just paranoid. Like I Final Destination, it. It things just, are gonna fly off it at you. Bothers me, man. Or like 3D films where they point the sword and it comes at you. I'm like, no, no, not in my eyes. Get away. I hate that crap. Don't mess with my eyes, man. How about the fact that in halfway through the movie, when Brandon goes to confront his aunt and uncle, and his uncle catches him at the house and is gonna take him back home. Oh, yeah. And then the kid disappears. And then Noah gets in his truck and drives away. I, like, dude, you why? are home already. Where are you going? I didn't understand. I think because they wanted to have like that scene where they smashed the car. Because they had to have his jaw become unhinged. I was convinced throughout that whole scene that Brandon was going to go kill his aunt and like snap her yeah. in half while he's in the house skulking around. Why are you killing the uncle, man? Because he called you weird? Because of your weird costume? That is weird. You know, I liked Uncle Noah. He gave him a BB gun or like an actual like a an gun actual gun. rifle, <laughs> yeah, which his dad snatched away. Uh, I actually thought the kid was gonna kill his dad with the rifle because I thought that would be like a nice reverse. Uh -huh. But then once he had the powers, I'm like, oh, that would be. Once stupid. he had the powers, he didn't need the gun. <laughs> yeah, but the uncle, his death scene was, I think, the only funny, like pretty much the comedic esque part in the film. Because, like, the whole time he's talking to himself, oh, that's not good. It's really not good. Yeah. He was um, very, that's another trope in and of itself for the, yeah. the guy, the almost a self-aware individual who yeah. knows he's going to be killed. Like Jamie Kennedy's character in Scream. Yeah. Oh, God. I love Scream. <laughs> that's such a silly film. Yeah. But what else? The, uh, oh, yeah. How did you like the uh, mother's death scene? Oh, that was so overdone. That That is such the lens flare of this movie. The uh, falling from the sky. Yeah, he takes her up to cruising altitude and then just drops her. Yeah, and then, seriously. So, like, yeah, I laugh my butt off because they do, like, the camera panning to her face and she, like, dramatically looks at him. Like, this isn't going to happen. Then they show his face, the stone-cold sociopath, mm -hmm. and they just lets her go. Like, bye, Mom. She falls like um, Indiana Jones, like the Russian chick falling into the plume of smoke. Like, no! <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was so... Oh, and the dad. Okay, let's talk about the parents real quick. Yeah. So Elizabeth Banks... These are, these are our... Uh, they're who's bad at their job. Yeah, both of them. They both they get dual suck. credit this week because she is so in for the win. My son can do no wrong. My baby boy... She is just refusing to accept realities that her son is causing harm to people. Yeah. And like, no, it's my baby boy. She, yeah, she is not in reality at all. Like, she is not grounded. She's not clairvoyant. She has nothing going on for her except, like, denial. Yeah. 
This entire film. And then dad is so far the opposite way where he knows Brandon's doing wrong and yet he's going to take him out on one final hunting slash camping trip. (laughs) Not 10 minutes before this scene, dear old dad said he's never bled, he's never broken a bone, he's never had a bruise. And his plan is to take him out in the woods and shoot him in the head. You just said that he's never been hurt. What do you think a bullet is going to do to this kid? Nothing. Like it did. <laughs> and it doesn't do anything because Brandon turns around and lasers his dad's brain right out. Right in the face, man. Gives a him giant, a laser hole. Uh, I hated, though, the only thing that sucked was him begging like for forgiveness. Please, don't kill me. I'm like, dude, you shot him in the face. What do you think he's going to do to you, man? Yeah. Just own it. Like, how dramatic, how cool would that scene be? Like, do it. I dare you. Mm-hmm. You don't have the balls. And then the kid actually <laughs> does. I could do it. Do like a Star Wars Force Call Awakens. Yeah, right? You're right, Dad. I can't. I don't know how. I still have to talk to you more about the birds and the bees. That was, yeah. His dad gave him such a terrible talk about becoming a man. <laughs> that was so bad. That, that was the movie equivalent of a real-life dad locking his kid in the bathroom with a few Playboys or penthouses and saying, go nuts, kid. Because they thought his um, material that he uh, enjoys himself to was yeah. like organs because they like find a bunch of like Playboy mags and then it slowly gets and like, it's like worse. animal organs and <laughs> yeah, stuff. Yeah, 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 which is so weird. I think until they realized that he had superpowers, they thought he was going to be like a Ted Bundy or something. Totally, man. Because his dad caught catches him one night in front of the chicken coop and in the next morning, all the chickens are dead. Gosh, it's just gross. Those are the red shirts. Those are those poor chickens that are slaughtered in the middle of the night. <sighs> they didn't even have a chance. <laughs> I wish they would have shown him gnawing on the chickens. That would have been... That would have been a bit much. But if you're going to dive in... We can talk about this, how the film never like figures out what genre it wants to fully embrace. Because it like dips its toe into every yeah, single one. This, but it doesn't embrace every one. It's like, like one. a third suspense, a third horror, and like a third superhero sci-fi. Mm-hmm. It doesn't lean one direction or the other. No. And I felt... That if this movie leaned hard into the horror elements with a tiny bit of superhero sprinkled on top, would have been a much better movie. Totally. Because, like I was saying, like if they calculated all the minutes spent on the buildup for the jump scares and actually put that into like dialogue and like progression of a story, fleshing out characters, I mean, it would have been ten times the better film. Well, the premise itself is not bad. Yeah, basically like Superman origin story, yeah. evil Superman. Well, let's talk about that too. I mean, they they definitely were going for like an anti-Superman. Yeah. I mean, the uh, the parents are different than Jonathan and Martha Kent. Total, it was like total contrast. Who rank in easily in the top five of superhero parents. Yeah. Martha. Jonathan is all like every kid reading a Superman comic with Jonathan Kent wishes Jonathan could have been their dad. Yeah. Even the movie versions. They're great. Yeah. I love Kevin, Kevin Costner. Costner was a great Jonathan Kent. Diane Lane plays a great Martha Kent. Yeah. They're two great parents. And then we get the opposite of the of them with these uninvolved, non-trusting people who do nothing to foster their son's good intentions. It almost felt like this film was like The Last Jedi in a sense. Like where they're like, we're just going to take everything you love and like flip it, give the complete contrast. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, I get that. I get why they did that because they wanted to show the inverse, but- I mean, making a film with just complete opposite is still a crappy film. Like, yeah. you could, ma- it would have been more interesting to see like him struggling with the morals and ethics and like with actual nurturing parents. 
Like that would have had so much more weight to like their death and what he was doing as opposed to like just disenfranchised people that don't know what the hell their son's up to. Yeah, because by the time boring. He, like, by the time he drops his mom, you're almost rooting for her to die. You are. I was rooting for her to die. I'm like, please, God, end this and suffering. Once, I want to see him tear up the town. And then once Roy from the office pulls a trigger on his son's head, you lose all sympathy for him. No, yeah, not at all. I'm like, because I knew he was going to shoot him in the woods and it's not going to work. Like, it's not, he's not Wolverine. There is no silver bullet that's going <laughs> to just kill him, all right? The arrival of baby Brandon is very similar to the arrival of Superman. Yeah. Super, like but spaceship in this crashing. day and age, how does a government agency not immediately show up and say, yeah, you can't go near that pod. <laughs> like, don't touch it. It's because they're in Kansas, man. Mm-hmm. Well, he, he discovers his powers in a similar way, but at different ages. Yeah, like, like 12. A, like was... Superman discovers his powers when he's maybe like five or six. Mm-hmm. And this kid, Brandon, discovers his powers by chucking a lawnmower 300 yards and then sticking his hand in the blade. It's like his powers were fueled by like his anger. Yeah. Because it, it's like up, they showed like video footage and like up to that moment where he chucks the lawnmower, he doesn't really show anything aside from the not bleeding or getting sick. Mm-hmm. So I wondered, I took it as like he has to get angry or it was like a puberty thing. Like he had to buy into the possession or Yeah, whatnot. like once puberty hits, then the powers kick in and like, I'm going to destroy everything. Yeah, but there was like no internal struggle. It was almost like he blacked out when the possession, the anger would take over. He'd like literally see red as his character would become more red throughout the film. And I felt there was no build up to the turning point where Brandon turned evil. Yeah. It was like a switch. It didn't seem like he was teased at all or didn't seem like anybody was abusing him. It was just, I'm in puberty, my body's changing, I have these powers, and now the world's going to pay for it. <laughs> I'm angry. Curse you! I want to be- making pre- me have hair under I wanna my arm. I want to be pre forever. <laughs> No, you got to grow up, kid. You don't want an awesome beard? <laughs> <laughs> he's anti-beard. Well, he sees Roy from the office having a beard. He's like, Get I don't that. want dad's beard. No. <laughs> Get that mustache away from me. And then I think this movie, do you think this sets up for like an evil Justice League? Totally. Um, especially at the end. Because they had that one actor, uh, the guy from The Walking Dead. Michael and, Rooker. Yeah. And uh, Guardians. Yes. He, he's Yondu in he Guardians plays of the Galaxy. Like, and he's usually like a bit player for like an evil guy. But this, he's like playing this weird, uh, what's that guy's name? Alex Jones. Yes, he's that like a turd. weird Alex Jones YouTuber that's like freaking out. He was so great. And it like showed a bunch of uh, pictures for like these other evil villains. Because yeah. I think there was five comets or six comets yeah. that like crash landed in like 06. There was a scene earlier in the movie where Elizabeth Banks is searching up the meteor shower that mm-hmm. crashed her son into Earth. And there were, I think, five other pods that came down with it. One of them yeah. was that, that sea creature that's terrorizing ships in the South China Sea. There's the witch, quote unquote, who's strangling people with a rope. And then there's the the flash lightning character who's, I, I don't know, obliterating people. I never understood what that guy was doing. And now uh, Superman. Yeah. So we're just waiting for Batman. Batman or the Green Lantern to show up. Oh, God. The Green Lantern. I would love to see that. What would you call this one? Like the Red Lantern? The Red Lantern. <laughs> the Black Lantern. Well, we already have Yellow Lanterns and Green Lanterns, and the idea is flipping that idea on its head, right? Yeah. So what if Batman is like an actual like villain? It would have to be. That would be fascinating. Well, if there's also all these evildoers that came to Earth, wouldn't it stand the reason that maybe one of those pods is actually like a do-gooder? That would be fascinating. 
Yeah, we don't know. They didn't really divulge too much on it. I think that was like the problem with this film is they didn't really give you a lot of backstory for things. They like teased and I took it as they weren't sure whether or not it was going to take off. Yeah. So they added like some areas to grow, but it was all, you know, well, we don't know how this is going to go. Do you think we're going to get a universe like what we're getting with Cloverfield and the Godzilla King Kong universe? If it takes off, absolutely. I could see them fleshing it out because why not? Like evil superheroes. Well, this mi- movie was made on a pretty small budget. Six million dollars, dude. I actually saw like between six and 12 million. Six and 12? Okay. Yeah, like. Either way, I think it does have a good chance of making up its budget. Oh, yeah. Because it is an interesting premise. Yeah. And in this day and age of people, like a superhero movie coming out every other week, Mm -hmm. I think people are going to go see this because this is almost an anti-superhero movie. I don't know. It's like a horror-esque. If it could have like figured out which one it wanted to go for, it would have been more interesting. I'm stoked to see like the Joker with Joaquin Phoenix in November because I feel like that would be a great depiction of like what a villain film. But who knows? It might suck. There's a great meme out there right now. It's um, two frames of Jack Nicholson's Joker and Joaquin Phoenix's Joker. Jack Nicholson's Joker is a 1989 Joker. Drop him in a vat of chemicals. Goes crazy. Mm -hmm. 2019 Joker. Drop him in society. Watch him go crazy. Yeah, that's exactly it, though. So I'm more yoked to see that because I think that's going to be more grounded in like its genre. But who knows? This may take off. I would like to see it take off because I do want to see this universe expand Mm -hmm. a little bit. I want want more answers as to where these kids came from in terms of alien homeworld. See these other kids that are wreaking havoc. With like horror film though. Because it's like tough to like describe all that with like horror-esque it's at hard. least for me because i i hate jump scares that's like i th- i equate jump scares to like a cheap trick yeah it's a one-trick pony you and get it are. once it it's not fun for me <laughs> like you know it's coming and it doesn't add anything to the story so well it doesn't help that this movie gave away its best jump scares in the trailers yeah it's like with it a couple of years ago it released the scene when georgie gets eaten by it as a trailer that ruins the best scene in the movie. So by the time people go in and see the movie, they already know what's coming and it's not scary. At least with Georgie, that was at the beginning. Hiya, Georgie. <laughs> Whereas this was like the middle and you like knew it was coming. I shouldn't do that I, though, voice because my girlfriend has told me that it freaks her out. So <laughs> I apologize <laughs> if people got like an image of that in their heads. I'm so sorry. I actually did. I uh, well, Actually, you know, kudos though. I do have to say the cinematography in this uh film was great for the low budget it was super clear and that waitress scene at the restaurant where it like showed her looking through one eye and the other was actually kind of cool yeah so what's let's rate this movie let's give the people our rating rating so being that this is a uh a freshly released film i Mm -hmm. think we'll forego using our last rating would host a viewing party i guess you could like switch it to like would go see it again yeah let's let's, let's use that so what do you give Brightburn, Sean. I would never see it again. Really? <laughs> I would. Not even if it were on television, you would just skip it? No, I don't like jump scares. And this film to me was just like an inverse of, they just took everything about Superman and just flipped it. And to me, that's not really inventive. It didn't really add anything to me. I didn't learn anything about the character. There was no themes. There was no uh, 
good guys. I mean, no one really had an arc except the main character. The only good guy that we, you know, talked about off air was the sheriff. He dies. Yeah. He gets obliterated like he was ran through a fruit ninja or something. He was. I mean, there was the death scenes were cool. If you like, like, I guess, gruesome, if you want to wait two hours for a payoff of each character's death but i mean just that's what youtube's for so youtube the deaths if you want the (laughs) most interesting moments of this film but everything else is boring so i would never see this again well, I, I, for one, would be interested to see if the filmmakers continue on down this road with the evil superheroes and then yeah. maybe introducing a do-gooder who is going to fight all of these characters. I would like to see them expand the universe. I would see that universe if it wasn't, uh, if there were no jump scares, I'd see it. And we discussed this. I think this movie would have been a lot better if it had leaned hard into the horror element. That would be more fascinating because there were moments like when he's, Terroring up the house like you have the black, you know, lit up corridor scenes where it's like, ooh, this is super creepy. Mm -hmm. Or like, you know, the typical looking out the window, he's there, looking back, he's not, he's right behind you. If they would have done all that more so where it was creepy, I think maybe focusing in on like how much of a sociopath he is. Yeah. That would have been dope. If it had been a slow burn like crossing Superman with Ted Bundy. Yeah. I think that may have been a bit more interesting, but. I I mean, some of the best scenes were like when his. They're like, hey, your uncle's dead. And he's like, okay. I feel like you want me to cry or something. I'm like, that's actually stuff that I'm looking for in this film. Why don't you guys go more on that? But it just devolves into a trope fest. It's all tropes. So I think I'm with you on this. I think I would call this a wouldn't watch. No. But it depends on what they do in the future. Yeah. I mean, if you like tropes and like your basic jump thrills, then yeah, go check it out. But um, because the superhero stuff is kind of cool. Watching him terrorize. Finally, when he finally starts becoming the villain and like terrorizing the house, the end credit scenes, it's really cool. But it just takes so long to get there. You're like, by the time he does get there, it's like, finally, but I don't care. (laughs) (laughs) I just want them all to die. Well, I think we unpacked Brightburn for today. I think that about wraps it up on this bite-sized version of the Force-Fed Sci-Fi Podcast. Please tune in later in the week for when we release Attack the Block. Yeah. And if you enjoyed the show, please go to iTunes and leave us a five-star review or an honest review. It helps to drive us up the charts as well as help people like you find the show. We are across the spectrum of social media with Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram all at Force-Fed Sci-Fi. You can check out and download episodes at Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, or wherever you find podcasts. And please subscribe so you never miss an episode. And finally, you can check out our website, forcefedsci-fi.com, for show notes and links to all of our social media. So for myself and Sean Culp, we will see you next time. Force-Fed Sci-Fi is written and hosted by Sean Culp and Chris Rupp. Website design, associate producer, and editing by Jeremy Kesky. Artwork designed by Mike Berger. Theme music composed and performed by Custom Anthem.